You are listening to a 14-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Acts. Luke, the author of Acts, tells us in chapter 1, verse 1, that the Gospels were only the beginning of all Jesus did and taught. The book of Acts is the continuation of Jesus' ministry on earth through the church, and this story is continuing today. This sermon series will address key themes in the book of Acts and connect them with our lives today. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, hey, we're, t- we're going to continue our series uh, in the book of Acts, and, and the big idea is that we're taking a look at uh, the mission of this early church because uh, their mission is meant to be our mission, and we're looking at what this early church looked like and some of their practices and, and, uh, because we're, we're meant to emulate that. We're, we're meant to be like that kind of community, and, and so far as we've looked through the book of Acts, Acts 1 through 5, we've seen this like near utopian society. I mean, Growth in this community is off the charts. Within just a couple of months, I mean, it's nearing 15,000 people, and they are totally selfless, caring for each other, no needs, there's no fear, they're given to, to prayer and miracles, and it says that the favor of God uh, was with them, and, and they had favor within their community, and they had favor outside of this community, and it just, they, they were just perfect in every way uh, that, yeah, that almost makes this church seem like a bit of a fairy tale. Uh, like, yes, it happened, uh, but it happened in a land far, far away filled with rainbows and unicorns and, you know, things like that. This wasn't a real live deal. Like, this is not accessible uh, for us. But then you get chapter 6, and there's complaining, and now you're like, yes, that's the church I'm used to. Uh, you, know, you know, the sacrificial love, generosity, uh, miracles, never heard of it. Complaining, dysfunction, um, you know, uh, disorganization. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Now, now, now you're speaking my language, and, and, and I'm bringing this up because sometimes we can have this plastic view. Those of us inside the church, those of us who've heard this story before, who've read these uh, verses before, we can have this picture of the church. It's almost plastic and sur- superficial um, that, you know, everything then was perfect, and, and church is meant to be perfect when it absolutely wasn't. It, it isn't, a, isn't now, and it wasn't, it wasn't then. I mean, when you read on in the New Testament, so you read the letters that Paul wrote and some of the other guys wrote, they were writing to correct how, the, because the church had gotten off, the church had lost its way, and so all these letters were meant to correct the problems that they had. Uh, so Paul, in, in his first letter to Corinthians, he's like, hey, look, I'm not trying to be legalistic here. I'm, I'm not trying to be heavy-handed, uh, but probably not a good idea that you sleep with your mother-in-law. That's probably something you shouldn't do. And, you know, communion's about, it's about focusing and centering um, your mind around who Jesus is, not, not getting drunk. And so he, he would he would go through and correct how they went off. Even James, uh, who was the, the, the pastor, so to speak, in Jerusalem, he led this church in Jerusalem, this church that we're reading about. Uh, in his letter, uh, he talks to this community that we read about in weeks before about how they're loving each other and you know, selling the possessions and nobody had a need. And, and now he has to talk to them about, hey, don't prefer the rich over the poor. So when, when a rich person comes in, uh, don't just give him the best seat, and why wouldn't you if you're sharing your possessions, but don't just give him the best seat. You need to treat everyone the same. And so it's just not true that, that this community in the Bible is perfect, and it's not going to be true for us. Churches are going to slide off course. Um, there are going to be problems to solve. There are going to be gaps to fill. 
And several things I want to say about these verses that were read today. Uh, But one of the big ones here is there is no such thing as a perfect church. Uh, Problems, setbacks will arise. We have an enemy who wants to neutralize what we're trying to do. And even if we didn't, I mean, we're human. We're we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that we uh, shouldn't do. The, The issue isn't whether or not we... Uh, would be perfect or should be perfect. Uh, the issue is, what, what are we going to do? How do we handle setbacks? How do we handle barriers and problems? And for some of you, you really need to hear this. Some of you really need to hear that the, that the church isn't perfect, that, uh, that the church fails, that it makes mistakes. Um, uh, churches are even going to do the very opposite of what you think they should do. Uh, churches are, will create cliques. Uh, they will uh, marginalize um, others. They will prefer some over uh, other types of people. They'll get on each other's nerves. There's all, and, and, there's, and there's two responses to this. Because this happens in every church. Uh, if, if you don't, don't think it happens here, you just haven't been around long enough. And so, uh, you know, just wait your turn. And so, um, but what happens is the temptation is going to be is A, you're just, you'll, um, you know, you'll just move on to another church, which is, you know, what we do in America. Or, or B, uh, you'll grow bitter and give up on the church altogether because, the, you know, the church didn't meet my expectations. Some of you may even be coming from another church and, and you're here, hey, this is the way the other church treat me and I'm, I'm mad about it. What do we do when, when these kinds of things arise? I want, I want to propose an option C, which is I want everyone here to know who is a believer in Jesus. And I realize not everyone here is, but everyone here is a believer in Jesus, is empowered by the Spirit to do something about the gaps that you see, the problems that you see. So, so, our, so our response to when we see problems in the church, our response to when we see setbacks, when we see gaps, when we see things that shouldn't be a certain way, our response shouldn't be to grow bitter. Our response isn't to move away. Our response is to say, hey, wait a minute, I need to recognize that God has empowered me to do something about this. Because there's a couple pitfalls I want us to avoid. Number one is that we settle for the status quo. So we don't, we don't move toward the ideal. That we don't uh, press into uh, what we see in Scripture as, hey, this is the way things ought to be. Uh, the, uh, Jesus clearly taught us that we should pray that the kingdom come to earth. That we should pray that as it is in heaven, shall so it be here on earth. We should be people who contend for this. So, so we, should, we should be idealist in that sense. We, we should never give up on the ideal. So I, I don't want us to go into that ditch. I don't want us to kind of say, hey, you know, well, the church sucks, so let's just get used to it. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But the other thing is, is why we should be idealist, I want us to also be realist and understand that un- unmet expectations and disappointment are a part of the deal, and we need to love our church, and we need to love each other in the same manner that Christ has loved us. The same way that Jesus loves you is the same way that w- you need to and we need to love other people. Um, because what can happen is you, we can read the first five chapters of Acts like we have. And, and what can happen is you can begin to daydream about this kind of church. And you can begin to uh, love that church more than you love your actual church. You can love this ideal and what the church should be and could be more than you love your actual church, which is a problem. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, is, is a, he wrote this book. He wrote several books. One of the books, Life Together. He's a great. If. You, you want to purge yourself of um, being an American. He's, I mean, this guy is so passionate. He died in a uh, Nazi training camp, uh, martyr for the gospel. Great, great stuff. 
Uh, he wrote this in his book, Life Together. He says, he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. Let me say that again. He who loves, he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. Let me say a few other things he said uh, that won't be on the screen. He says, uh, um, the man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God and by others. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, set up by his own law, and then judges the brethren and God accordingly. When things don't go his way, he calls the church and the people in it a failure. Man, I've just described, I would say, 75% of Christians in America, which is, I have this view of what the church should be, and it doesn't fit my criteria, and I'm angry. People are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we come very, very angry, very, very cynical, very, very quickly. Now, we have this vision at Jubilee to live out the ideal. And so, again, I don't want us to give up on, on that. We, we don't want to measure ourselves by cultural standards. We want to measure ourselves by biblical standards. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be, uh, we wanna be uh, like lights that pop out amongst this generation, as it says in uh, Philippians 2. We want to we be like him. We, we want to we show people a different value system. You know, what does it look like? What do, what do individuals look like? What, do, what does a community look like that's totally submitted to Jesus and, and the love that comes from that and the grace that comes from that and the hope that comes from that and the healing? That we we want to be different. We, we want to pursue uh, the ideal. And yet, and yet, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, is that my hope for us is that we would not be in love with a future version of us but we would be in love with the community that we have right now. Because this is how God loves you. God does not love some future version of you. God doesn't love the one who finally, finally gets it right. The, the one who, who actually prays and reads like he's supposed to, that loves other people the way they're supposed to. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that he, li- he loves you despite your failures. There, there is no, uh, all the love that God has, he has not spared anything. Every, all the love that he has, if you are in Christ, has been poured out upon you. He loves you despite your, your problems. He, he loves despite the issues that you have. And my hope for us is that while we contend for the ideal, let's not give up on that dream, but that we would also, that we would also love each other and love this community the way that God has loved us. Because here's the truth. People will let you down. I, I don't know if you've gone through membership yet or not, uh, uh, if you've gone through membership, you've heard me say this, and if you haven't, you'll hear me say it again, which is uh, the only thing that I can guarantee you about your time here at Jubilee, one of the things I can guarantee, I should say, is that you somebody will disappoint you, and probably me. Uh, just, that, that will happen. Somebody will offend you. And, and this is my line. If, if you think the church should be uh, full of grace, hey, guess what? You're going to have an opportunity to be gracious. If you think people should forgive, guess what? You're going to have an opportunity to forgive someone. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you some practice time on that one. We're, we're going we're gonna, to, for you, I mean, you know, normally we wouldn't be this way, but for you, so you can learn to be forgiving. We're going to give you some things to forgive. 
So the issue isn't that think people mistreat us. That the issue isn't that people do us wrong. It isn't that the church has problems and it fa- Of course it's going to fail. Of course it's going to miss the mark. The issue is what do we do when that happens? So let me just kind of dive into this story in, in Acts 6 to kind of learn a few things. Um, what was the issue? Well, it says, now in those days, the disciples of numbers were what? The, the, excuse me. The disciples were what in number? They were increasing in number. Some people point to that's a problem. Well, hey, the problem with the church is that it, um, you know, you know, growth is 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 a problem. If 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 a church gets larger, if a church gets bigger, uh, you know, they're, they they kind of get off course. You know, they, you know, they're just all about the numbers. I just want you to know that um, that Jesus, somebody in the in the scriptures said it was worthwhile to count. It says in Acts 2 that there were 3,000. It says later that there was 5,000. It says that numbers, somebody was counting. And after all, here's a pop quiz for you. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, what? Number. Hey, the Bible's okay with numbers. The Bible has nothing against numbers. It's, it's there. And so the issue isn't, because God wants a big family. There's nothing wrong with the church growing. That wasn't the issue. Some people can get cynical about ch- the church growing. We shouldn't be cynical about the church growing. God wants it to grow. The other thing is, it says, but it says here that there was a complaint by the Hellenists that arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, this was huge because uh, widows in that culture, this isn't uh, in that culture, whether it's Greek, Jew, whatever, uh, that cult, widows, uh, excuse me, women, they depended upon uh, a father a husband or a son to take care of them. Women did not go to college. They did not get degrees. They did not get a job. They did not have a 401k. They, they didn't have any of that. If they were going to be taken care of, if they were going to be taken care of in their father's household, or if they were married, they would get, be taken care of um, by their husband, and, their, and so if, they be, if their husband died, their only chance of survival is if they had sons. Now, here's the issue. When you convert to Christianity, uh, the likelihood that your family disowns you is pretty high because you've turned your back upon them. So, th- they're not th- so taking care of widows was a big deal. This wasn't some little uh, sub-ministry of the church. This was a huge part of the church. And so the complaint arose that, hey, there's some people here that are being overlooked uh, and well how did they take care of the problem it says and the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of god to serve tables therefore pick brothers therefore brothers pick out from among you seven a good reputation full of the spirit and wisdom whom we will appoint uh, to this duty and so what they ended up doing is they 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 multiplied Ministry. The, the answer to the problem was that uh, there was a leadership failure. So in this church, what, what went wrong? Well, there was a leadership failure. What did they fail to do? Was it they weren't educated enough? Well, they went to the University of Jesus Christ for three years, so I don't think it was education. This was, you know, 11 of the original 12, and Jesus handpicked them. They were the right guys. But what they failed to do is they failed to multiply leadership. They failed to multiply ministry. They, they, they were doing the ministry themselves, and they did not multiply. They didn't bring new people on. So what they did is they brought these new guys on, and the, the solution worked. It says, and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly. So that was the problem. The problem was a lack of labors, and this has always been the problem. This isn't, this isn't some, um, 
you know, what do I call it? This wasn't some new idea in Acts. This is something that, that Jesus uh, even said. If, if you go t- to Matthew uh, 9, we'll, we'll have this on the screen, verse 35. He says, and Jesus went throughout, excuse me, this, Matthew says, and Jesus went throughout all, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every Every disease and every affliction. And that sounds pretty awesome. That sounds like a good day. That sounds like a blessed group of people. Here they are getting taught by no other than Jesus Christ himself. And he's not healing some diseases. He's healing all of the diseases and all the afflictions. Yet, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because he he knew this wasn't going to be a one-man show. They are helpless, they are harassed because they have no shepherds. There's not enough people to look after the other ones. So he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. This is, a, this is a big deal. This is something you really need to give yourself to. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers uh, into um, the harvest. So here's the deal. The church, one of the biggest issues of the church uh, then and now is that if it fails to properly build out and multiply leadership, multiply laborers, multiply those people willing to get into the game and to be a contributor. This is a big, to multiply ministry and leaders is is a big deal. It's the first, it's the first major hurdle um, that the church faced. There will be others, but this was a major hurdle. And uh, this is something that all the, um, every minister uh, gets in on, and to neglect this, it causes uh, big, big problems. And there's a few things I want to point out here um, as we embrace ministry multiplication and leadership multiplication. Here's the first one. We need to be okay with some organization. For, for us to, for us to, to see, uh, you know, we've seen disciples grow. You know, we, you know, five, six years ago, uh, over the last five or six years, you know, quadrupled or something in size. We've seen disciples grow. We've seen lots of people baptized and added into um, Christianity. One of the guys here on the band, I was just bringing tears to my eye because I remember uh, when uh, someone in this church saw him humped over uh, backwards. He could not bring his back up straight. And someone prayed for him. He was miraculously healed. A couple uh, months later, he shows up here at Jubilee Church he gets baptized, and now he's a part of our um, worship team. We've seen, we've seen this story happen. Oh, the, the disciples are growing, and the disciples are multiplying. We need to be okay with some organization. Um, now, I realize that, that the ratings for organized religion are about on par, par with, you know, Al-Qaeda or something like that. It's like, it's not very, because you don't, you don't organize what is spiritual. As soon as you organize what is spiritual, right, you'll mess it up. Because after all, I mean, we've been reading, you know, these first five chapters. And uh, this, this early church, it seems to be very organic. You know, it's kind of like this quasi-hippie movement. And everyone's just kind of loving each other and peace and happiness. And that's why it's so successful. And there is some truth to that. Uh, there is this reality where the truth, it, it is an organism. It's not, it's not a machine. Every time, um, 
Jesus talks about the church growing, and it, it, he doesn't, you know, bust out charts in, ex- in his cell sheets. But what he does, is he talks about agriculture. He talks about farming. He talks about something growing, and, and this kind of grows over here. And if this doesn't grow, you know, you cut it off and you prune this back. It is, there, it is an organism. It's not an organization, but it doesn't mean that we should avoid uh, being organized, at least at some level. I mean, I won't get into all this, but what we see here in, the, in Acts 6 is kind of the beginning of some couple offices in the church of, of elders and deacons. And you can read about this more in 1 Timothy uh, 3. But organization isn't a bad thing in and of itself. It's not bad or it's not good. Uh, the, the real issue, and this is where we can go bad uh, or we can use it for good, is, is what are we organizing around? What are we organizing around? The problem comes when you organize around the wrong thing. So you organize around power, or you organize around politics, or the status quo, or our own comfort. We, orga- we organize around our own needs, and we neglect the needs of the world. Uh, but what would it look like if a church totally organized around Jesus and his mission that he's called us to? I'm going to come back to that at the end, but organization actually is a way of caring. When you bring good organization and good administration, it, it actually w- it, it's a way of caring. It's a way of demonstrating love because it, it's, it can solve problems. For example, as our church has grown, one of the things that we do in this location, every location is different because it's at a different size, but we started doing like electronic check-in for kids. And then we got uh, some security guys, and we found like the biggest, most tattoo-filled dudes that we can find, and we taught them to snarl. And um, they're, they're nice guys. Uh, but they're, they're not there to be nice. They're there to keep your kids safe. So if you go back there, you're not supposed to, they will body slam you. And they, uh, they're trained to body slam people. And so I'm just warning you. Now, that seems obvious, you know, that we would want to protect because here's the idea. Because we, we have, our doors are wide open to anyone. The Bible says, hey, be, be gentle as doves, but wise as serpents. I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. And so we, we, we don't want to build walls and fences around the community about, okay, this is the type of person who can be a part of us, and this is the type of person who can't. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm looking at this room right now, and I, and I know many of you, but some I don't very, know very well, and some of you I have never seen before. And, and I don't know who you are, and we, we have all kinds of people who come through here. So safety becomes a, a big issue. And if you're a parent, you relate to that. But organizing that, bringing organization around that isn't a way uh, to um, diminish the love. That it's, it's, it's actually a loving thing. It's a good thing that we would do that kind of organization. I, we, and I think that makes sense when you think about a family. Um, you know, when, when it was just Rach and I, you know, we, we didn't order, organize our schedule very much. And we just kind of, you know, we ate what we felt like eating. We did what we felt like doing. And, and, and as kids came along, uh, you know, their schedules and our schedules and everything had to be kind of matched up. And, you know, there's chore chart. There's all these kinds of organization. Now, we're still a family. We still love each other. But it's the organization solves problems. We have, a, we, have a dear, we have dear friends out west. That, uh, they've got six kids. And they're, they're, they're such uh, teachers to us in terms of creating a, a loving, fu- uh, loving home and, and environment. And, and, uh, but, th- I mean, they're organized. Like, they've got, they've got charts for stuff. They, uh, wh- they've got charts for when, you know, different kids can take a bath or not. Like, it's all kind of matched out. And they had to do that because I'm guessing there was a time where uh, two kids wanted the same thing. I mean, just like what we read in the verse. You know, hey, wait, I'm being overlooked, and this person wants this. Organization is a way to solve those problems. 
It's the way to bring care. It's the way to, and so some organization uh, could be good. And we've, we've, so we bring some organization to this. I mean, we used to have services that were uh, two and a two, uh, like two or two and a half hours. And uh, there's about, don't worry if you're new, it's like an hour and a half. So uh, d- don't get, <laughs> I got to be somewhere. And so, um, so, and so like you would go back and the kids workers were like, what the heck? I mean, they're like all freaked. I mean, their hair is up like buckwheat. I and mean, they're just like, man, we're just like, hey, man, it's the Spirit's move. And they're like, well, the Spirit's not moving back here. Like, <laughs> at least not the Holy Spirit. And so um, it's like, so w- what we began to kind of wrestle with is like, well, wait a minute. The Spirit doesn't just move when we say so, when we start the meeting and end the meeting. The Spirit's always moving. It's, the Spirit just always moves. It's moving now. It, it's, it's in our conversations in the lobby. It's in our conversations at lunch. It'll be with you when you're watching uh, football in a comatose state. It'll be with you if you're out playing uh, in outside like you should be. Get some vitamin D in you or whatever that helps with. And, and um, so the, the Holy, Holy Spirit's with you when you're sleeping. It's moving all the time. If we were to start and end the meeting based upon when the Holy Spirit was moving, we'd, we'd never stop. And so we begin to realize, actually, there's probably more of us in that equation than we thought. And so now we want to be, we want to be, we, we want to use structure and systems uh, to serve us and not us to serve the structure and the systems for, for those to be submitted to the Spirit and God can interrupt and do anything that He wants at any moment in time. And the elders are trying to uh, manage that tension, and we—that's a big question. That one of the big things that we talk about. I was wondering, like, what do these guys get together and talk about? Well, one of the things that we talk about is this tension between structure and and being open, because w- structure is helpful, but it's not ultimate. It needs to be in balance. So we want to—we don't want to have no structure because that's going to cause problems, and we'll never be able to multiply and do what God's asked us to do. But if we if we overstructure. Uh, then, then we'll get off track too. I, I like to think structure and organization in a church is like scaffolding. You know, if we're going to build a big house like the way God wants us to build, you, you use scaffolding to build a house, right? Those of ever, you know, you see a construction site, they've got scaffolding coming up. Well, the, the scaffolding isn't the building, but it's very, very helpful in building the building. In fact, it's necessary. But when the as, you know, but we don't, we don't like, oh, look at the scaffolding. No, we, it's, it's, it's the people. It's the bricks. That is what we're building. It's in the Holy Spirit bringing that together. And the scaffolding, we're, we're not precious about. If it's helpful, we'll use it. If it's not, we'll get rid of it. And we'll use different kinds of scaffolding based upon where we're at in the, in the project. And we need God's wisdom in that. Now, ch- there's no doubt about it. There are churches uh, in history, and, and, it's e- and I'm sure we've done this as well un- unintentionally, is that we can begin to see the, the, our, our structure and organization or our programs, the way we do things, as, well, that's what's spiritual. I mean, for years, I mean, to bring an organ into the church at one time was just, because that was a, uh, an instrument that you'd use in the bars, was just ridiculous. You, you didn't bring that in the church. In fact, you didn't have instruments at all. The 80s come around and people start bringing guitars on the stage. Imagine that. Even electric guitars. It's just like, you don't do that. Well, I mean, th- th- those are all scaffolding. That's just organization. That's not, that's not the building. But it can be helpful. So be okay with some organization. Um, secondly, be okay with not getting ministry from the professionals. It says here, in verse 2, and the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And that sounds defensive. 
I know when, you, when I read the Bible, I try to insert myself in the story. And he says, it's not right that we should do this. And I said, well, whoever suggested it? Well, somebody must have said, it, we think that you should wait tables. You guys are the leaders. You're the one. You're, you need to do this. I, I, like, Pe- I like it when Pe- Pastor Peter comes and gives me my soup and sits down and talks to me about my day. I want to receive that from Peter. I like John coming over to me. I think you guys should be the ones who more fully give yourself to this ministry. If you gave yourself to this ministry, there wouldn't be any problems. Well, they said, well, it's not right that we do that. So we're going to get other people who aren't a part of the Big 12 that some of you may not even know. And they're going to be the ones who love and serve you. Now, they're going to be of good reputation. So don't get, you know, they're going to have good reputation. They're going to be full of spirit and full of wisdom. But Peter, John, those guys, we're not going to be the ones who do this anymore. We're going to turn that response. We're going to multiply leadership and ministry, and and they're going to do it. So if we're going to adopt this solving these kinds of problems when the church doesn't do everything that it should do, one of the things is we got to be okay with not receiving ministry from the professionals. Now, I think as a church, we've historically done all right with this. You know, I mean, that's how I kind of came into leadership. I wasn't a professional. I was a stockbroker. I just kind of was, you know, chipping in now and then and and serving as I could. And it it led to this and other guys, guys like uh, in this location, Dylan has been a part of that. And other guys have come through just chipping in where um, we can. And, um, and, and we have a church full of people who are, who are ministry leaders. They're, they're community group leaders who are the ones who maybe visit you in the hospital. And it, it's so important that for, the ch- for us to live out this New Testament, one of the key things is that we seek to multiply ministry. And, and for that to happen, we have to be okay and actually embrace and say, this is a good thing. It's a good thing that I'm not getting a call from the pastor, that he's not the one who's counseling me. But there, there's lots of people. There's lots of people who can counsel and love me. In fact, because I'm a member of this church, I can do the same thing. And what it says here, it, I don't know if you caught this. It says, it doesn't, it says, a great number of disciples multiplied and a great many of priests. There's something in the Bible called, uh, it's, it's, it's a term that people have ascribed to, this idea, this priesthood of all believers, which means that we all have a ministry. We're all priests. We're in, in, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That we are priests, and, and we, uh, together we are a priesthood. We, we, have, we, we have ministry. We can love and counsel each other. In fact, that's a part of a, of a maturing church. It says this in Ephesians 4. This is how the church grows. It's when leadership doesn't do all the ministering, but they're coming alongside others, and they're equipping to them to do ministry. And they're growing up in the faith, and they're like oak trees. And when the wind blows, they don't blow, and they're speaking the truth and love to each other. It's just this dynamic community that's not sitting around waiting for the professionals to do something, but they're totally into uh, ministry multiplication. They're totally into leadership multiplication. And within m- every member ministering, you're going to have leadership emerge at every level. Some elders, some deacons, some 
you know, serving in their capacity. And now before you think, like, Brian, you're talking about, like, some massive pyramid scheme with, you know, a pastor at the top with a bunch of people underneath. But it, it is a pyramid, but it's not the kind of pyramid you think. Let me show you this. Biblically, uh, leadership works, like, in, in an inverse pyramid. Because m- normally when we think about leadership, we think about the guy at the top, he has all the freedom, all the, re- all the, all the rights. But Jesus, okay, who here would agree that we, Jesus is the senior pastor of the church? He's the head. Of, he's the head. He's on top. But by his own will, he, lay, he gave away all of his rights. He has, he has the least amount of rights. And he has the most responsibility. He even has responsibility for things that aren't his fault, like my son and your son. And because he gave away all of his rights and took on all the responsibility, he has the name that is above all names, as it says in Philippians 2. So here's the idea of leadership. This is what, because we believe, John 10, uh, we have this uh, philosophy that leaders are to be servant leaders, that um, they, anyone who is to be like Christ, Jesus would say, must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. And he says that I, I'm, looking, I'm not looking for the hired hand here. I'm looking for people who are like me, who are, when the wolf comes and trouble comes, they don't leave. They're not just in it for the pay. They're not just in it for when all these circumstances are favorable, but they're willing to stay even when the wolf comes. So here's what we see. We, we say that every, every Christian should be headed toward Jesus. And so elders, no doubt about it, in a church should have the least amount of rights and the most amount of responsibility. We think ministry leaders, community group leaders, when you go up the chain, you give up rights and you take responsibility. So, Members, more, more, and guests. So if you're new here, we, we, we have no expectation that you would... Uh, take on responsibility. And some people stay in that guest range for years. What does it mean to be a member? It means to lay down your rights and take on more responsibility. What does it mean to be a leader? It means to lay down rights and take on more responsibility. What does it mean to be an elder? It means to, uh, to lay down even more rights and take even more responsibility because that is what Jesus did. And that's what it should look like to us, which is the third thing. For us to multiply ministry and to be this, we have to, we, there has to be a conversion of sorts that happens in us. And that is we move from consumer to contributor. Now, a consumer, I'll give you a technical definition. Uh, the, a consumer is the belief that free choice of, cons- oh, excuse me, consumerism is the belief that free choice of consumer should dictate the economic structure of a society. Now, in layman's terms, that means getting the biggest bang for your buck. That means getting the most with, with giving the least. And I had a friend in college. Oh, my gosh. He perfected this, man. I mean, like, he, for lunch, I mean, he would go to Sam's and all that to get those free samples and that free lunch. And so, like, and he would go to the bars with, you know, free appetizers for a happy hour and drink water. I mean, he, he was, he, I mean, he had this chart, like, where you would go each night. And, it, I mean, it was kind of brilliant and sad and all in one. And it was, now... Consumer is great when, when you want a, a free lunch or if you want to buy a car, but it's a horrible ethic to take into your walk with Jesus and how you view the church. If you view the church as, where can I go that has the most benefits for me? 
most benefits for me and my family. Most benefit, you know, what's the, what's the most convenient, what's the easiest, requires the least amount in me. That, that, that consumerism is the air that we breathe. It, breathe. It's one of the reasons why our economy historically has been amazing, but it's also, it, it's, it's, it's a terrible way to view life because it's completely opposite of Jesus, wherever he went. And um, it's a complete opposite. And so one of the things, you have, you have to move from being a consumer. So don't see the church as a vendor of religious goods and services. But actually think like, wait a minute, I, how can I contribute? And here's the thing, here's how I would define spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is when you are okay with giving more than you receive. And I get that definition from Jesus. Jesus said, I have not come to, to be served, to receive, I've come to give. It's better to give than to receive. Spiritual maturity is being okay with giving more than you receive. And actually, let me just say this. I would say that 99% of all issues, and particularly relational ones, in a church is because of spiritual, because of immaturity or a lack of understanding, which I think stems from a a lack of maturity. I'll give you an example. And I have relationships where my expectations are high, my expectations are low in terms of what I would get and what I would receive. So my kids, I, I have a great relationship with my kids. I love my kids. I want to give as much as much as I can to my kids. Um, but um, they, don't, they don't give very much to me. I, I've, never, I've never like woken up uh, and, and have a kid there right by me with like a, a cloth over their shoulder and say, Daddy, is there anything I can do to serve you today? That's ne- I don't know if that happens to you. It never happened to me. It, their, their, expectation that I, that their expectation of me that they take and take and take is there, and I give and I give and I give. And for whatever reason, I'm okay with that. Now, if my expectation is I would receive from my kids, I, I'd be, that relationship would be terrible. But I'm the mature one, theoretically, and they're the immature one. Your, mature, your spiritual maturity as a Christian is where you're, 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 you're not thinking, well, I, ex- I deserve this from this person, this from this person, this from this person. This is what the church should do for me. I have these expectations that I'm going to receive. That is a spiritual infant. That's not maturity. Maturity is saying, uh, you know, I, yeah, I give and give and give, and I hardly get anything back, and it's great. That's what maturity is. Now, look, we're, we're on this journey for a long time. There's people all over the place in terms of their walk with Jesus. Some of you are brand new. Some of you don't even know who Jesus is. And it's okay that you're a consumer. It's okay that you don't give anything. But I just want you to know, for those of you who'd say, look, no, I want to pursue Jesus. I just, I just want you to know where that trail ends. It ends with you laying down more and more of your rights and taking on more and more responsibility. That's not a bad thing. That's becoming more like Jesus. And I want us all to pursue Jesus. I want us all to reflect who he is. And it's, and it's so important to be this kind of community when it, when it hits gaps. 
or when it, when it hits problems and obstacles and barriers and gaps, most of the time what, what we really need to, ministry needs to multiply, that God somehow gave you an eye to see that problem. Instead of saying somebody ought to do something about this church thinks because nobody takes care of this. Well, maybe God is tapping you on the shoulder to say, now you should do something about that. I've been so blessed over the years in seeing how people have have done exactly that. I mean, one of our hearts uh, uh, is to have a huge heart for the poor, and we've always felt this tension because we've never felt like we've done as much as we uh, would really like to, and it's just like, ah, oh, it's such a, this is a failure of ours, and we've sought to multiply uh, ministry into that. And, one of, and, and over the time, we've, we've seen guys like Mick Vidova, uh, pray for that guy. He just got out of the hospital surgery, but he's he he stepped to the, to the plate and quietly, without expecting any kind of fanfare, is just like he's he's now brokering cr- our crisis help and taking resources in and giving it um, um, away to those who need it in the community and outside of the community. And he, he would he probably doesn't even know it, but he, I know he slips in a lot of his own money into that, and it just serves this community so well. Faithful guy, full of the Spirit, full of, of wisdom, great reputation, great reputation. Serving, stepped up, saw a problem, filled the gap. And, and others have done that in the same area of the poor. I mean, um, here in the city, we know we're doing this garage sale. There's people who got together and said, hey, we, we have a passion for the poor. And, and I could see that Jubilee is not doing everything that it says it wants to do. Instead of saying this church doesn't love the poor, so well, maybe God's calling me to do something better. So people have gotten together, and out of that, guys like Dan Martinez and Dennis Edney and um, Aaron Frazier-Smith. I would love to have three names, hyphenated name. I think it's so cool. Anyway, Aaron Frazier-Smith, he, um, he, um, they all stepped up and said, hey, we can do something about this. We can, we can gather together um, your resources, and we can, give, we can sell them and give them away to serve the needs of the poor. And maybe you have thoughts and ideas. And that's how the church is supposed to work. The church isn't supposed, when, when there's gaps in problems, it, it's not supposed to be its doom. It's supposed to be an opportunity. And maybe it's an opportunity for you to step in and do something about here, do something about it. The big picture of what we're trying to do here is that we are trying to be a, a community of priests. Uh, you know, a priest, um, historically it connect it's a mediator between people and god and as his anointed ones as the scripture says as his saints as believers in him as christians we are called to connect people to jesus to be a conduit so people who don't know about him can know about him so we're we're meant to come along people so it's the 26 year old in your office who just is totally freaked out about their future or a single mom who like runs off adrenaline just to get through the day. Or your boss who seems successful on the outside but is totally broken on the inside. We're meant to come along, people like that, that are in our lives, we're meant to come alongside of them and be Jesus to them, to serve them, to lay down our lives for them. And to do that not just as isolated individuals, but we come together as a team and we do it as a team. We do it together. And we're serving each other, but we're serving people on the outside. What would it, ha- what would it look like if we completely organized around Jesus and his mission. If we lifted up our voices and said, God, will you take what little we have, our abilities, our time, our resources, and will you do a miracle in our friends' lives, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our towns, in 
Sunday school. Here's what I, there'd be s- several who would be saved. Many would be saved. And the ones who don't will be glad that we're here. Because we're serving schools and tutoring kids. Who's going to tutor the kids if this church leaves? The church leaves the city. Who's going to look after our single moms? Who's going to care like those people cared? But it starts with us having this transformation and saying, hey, look, it's a good thing that we grow. It's a good thing that there's organization. It's a good thing that, you know, professionals aren't doing all the ministry because I'm releasing this to happen. I'm releasing for more prayer ministry to happen. I'm, I'm doing this and more deed ministry is happening. More word ministry is happening. And this is, is multiplying throughout the city. I mean, that's what we're doing in giving today. And giving to church planning. So that's our, our vision is to see communities multiply throughout the city. Multiply throughout the region. It's all, it's, it's Acts 6. God, we see that, the, we see that there's a city, there's a, there's a state, there's a nation who doesn't know you. He's like, I know about it. That's why you're here. Now take what I've given you, multiply it. You know, convert from being a consumer only to a contributor such an amazing, so amazing that he just invites us in to make such a difference.